Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Road World Football Show, where today, Denny Carter and I will be previewing the NFC North with the help of MLive.com's Ben Raven and NBC Sports Chicago's Alex Shapiro. Ben will be joining us right off the jump to talk the Detroit Football Lions with Alex about 30 minutes into the show to discuss the much-changed Chicago Bears in between. Denny and I will be talking the Packers, and there's a fourth team in this division, I believe the Minnesota Vikings. We're looking into it. It's it's Ben. Ben Raven from inlive.com at Benjamin S. Raven on Twitter. Ben, we try to get beat writers from like the two most interesting teams in the division. And mm-hmm. it's the second year in a row the Lions have been considered an interesting team. It's quite the change from the past 30 years. Oh, man, you talk about change. I mean, this year is just it's just so different than my first even four years on the beat. I mean, last year was different with hard knocks and actual real expectations. But this year it's like. Wow, it's July and they're still the NFC North favorites. Like, all right, this is real. Let's go. This is brand new. <laughs> so, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, I just, I mean, and it's funny though, because people were on the Lions bandwagon last year. Now, some of like the sharps, the smarts, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, people are actually smart in this industry, kind of off the Lions. We'll just get right into it. We're not off the Lions, but they were off. They had thought the Lions had had a flawless decision making process. Then came the move, the pick heard around the world, at least in fantasy circles, with the Lions taking a change of pace running back, Jameer Gibbs, at number 12 overall. You know, especially eye-opening after they gave David Montgomery real money and free agency, a le- legitimate contract, one that says he's going to have a role and be around. Just what is the sense around the team about how these touches are going to be divvied up in this backfield? It, is it as similar as Gibbs? It, is it as simple as Gibbs like, sliding into the DeAndre Swift role? and David Montgomery sliding into the Jamal Williams role. No, I think it's going to be more than that, and I think that's what intrigued them by kind of the shakeup with both because while Jamal Williams had that awesome season last year, I think 16 or 15 of those touchdowns came within the yard and a half or two-yard line. I mean, David Montgomery's got a lot more elusiveness to his game and gets the chance to be play behind an NFL offensive line for the first time in his career, so that could make a little difference right there. But uh, I, I think we've already seen it through the spring and the offseason program that Gibbs and Montgomery shared the field. When Montgomery was healthy, he got nicked up a little bit, but they were sharing the field a lot more than we ever saw with Swift and Williams. So I think that's going to be a different thing here because I do think the Lions are viewing Gibbs as so much more as a running back. We're seeing him in the slot. We're seeing him line up in the backfield with Montgomery and go out wide. So I, I think it's going to be – it's at its core value, it's going to be like that. They're going to have those similar core functions, but I think you're going to see a lot more sharing the fields, two running back looks, getting Gibbs in there, even when Montgomery is out there. We think it'll be Montgomery near the goal line in a role that produced 18 touchdowns last year. I wonder if the Raven, or if, excuse me, if the Lions offense can run as hot as possibly run as hot as it did last year. But do you think it'll be Demont at least in the Jamal role around the goal line? I do. He's he's the guy that I keep pointing to is like this is his breakout chance right here. Like and not just like a oh that's a really nice season for him. Like oh this guy's legit. Like he gets to be like that's not just a. This offensive line isn't just good. It's got a potential to be one of, one of if not the league's best. And uh, it's it's a group that hasn't played a regular season snap together. So, I mean, I, I just think he is someone he's going to get most of those goal line looks. There's not much of a competition, in my opinion, 
at least for those looks. I mean, there is, like you said, that this is a team that ran for a lot of short yardage touchdowns. And I, I mean, double digits seem very, very, very within his grasp. You, uh, you mentioned, you know, how the backfield might be divvied up. Uh, I, I think a lot of people in the fantasy community are sort of writing off David Montgomery's pass catching role or pass catching ability. Um, I, I think, you know, traditionally he has been used more as a pass catcher than Jamal Williams uh, has, especially in Green Bay. Uh, do you do you think that that role will also be split between him and Gibbs or do you see Gibbs really just taking over there? I mean, Gibbs is going to get the DeAndre Swift level of targets, if not more. But I do think, I mean, that was another thing that really intrigued them. I mean, Jamal Williams was a non-factor in the passing attack, like just an absolute non-factor. And they, they've got plans for Montgomery. I mean, those two running back looks, I mean, he's running legit uh, routes too. He's not just dipping into the flats. It's like a fallback right. planner and something like that. I really think they're going to tap into that too. And I, I, like you said at the top, I mean, that's why they gave him real money. That's why they let like a heartbeat of the locker room and a guy who just had an amazing career season walk is because they see more things that Ben Johnson can do with both of those guys. I mean, I, I mean, that's, I think that's the strength of his Ben Johnson. I mean, he'll, mm-hmm. if you can do something, he's going to use you in that department at least a couple times a game. And I think that was really the big, shining light towards these two backs. We've learned to trust Ben Johnson. Yeah. As an aside, Ben, uh, if you can answer me this, because mm-hmm. I, I just could not really grasp why the Lions dislike DeAndre Swift so much. You know, it just, they just seem to really I was not trust ask the same him. thing. <laughs> and so, I, you know, if you, and yeah. if you have any insight on that, please tell me, because I have spent unbelievable amounts of time trying to figure out why. I think it got to a point with the frustration. Like they loved the idea of what DeAndre could do for them 17 games a year. It just got to the point where it's like two different regimes, two different head coaches. Dan Campbell and his staff took two vastly different approaches to his off seasons through their two years with him. And it just the same, a really electric yet guy they couldn't depend on week in and week out. And I mean, once you got to the regular season, DeAndre Swift wasn't practicing. I mean, say what you will about that, but I mean, he just wasn't available. You really, when, when I would go on fantasy for like quick hits on fantasy, is DeAndre playing this weekend? I have no idea. Like I have absolutely no idea. So I think it was just at a point where it was like, there needs to be a fresh start for both sides here. You are super talented, like good luck sending you home, sending right. you to a great team. Maybe the only other team that might have a better offensive line this year, but it just got to a point of frustrations. And I think with Deuce leaving, I think there was a chance at just like a fresh fresh start for them to really build the backfield the exact way they wanted. And I think Gibbs being a fresh guy out of college, they they trust that availability, even if, though it's a rookie, a little more than what they've seen from DeAndre for three years. Great electric player. I mean, still yeah. might be something more, but it just got to the point where it's like, maybe you need to go somewhere else too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's not us. It is indeed you. Yeah. <laughs> ben, I'm pretty sure we've I've asked you this question, but you do play fantasy, correct? Oh, um, oh, deep, deep. That's what I, I thought. My that's what I thought. Got a, we're we're in like year 22 of like a league oh. right now. So yeah, yeah, I'm 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 all about it. College so that, fantasy too. Psycho. Oh my gosh. Whoa, whoa. auction keeper leagues like yeah there we go there we go denny has no idea what the al denny will never know what the al is (laughs) but but, uh, yeah it's sick of stuff so i was pretty sure you were a fantasy guy i'm gonna put you on the spot who is scoring let's say more ppr points in 2023 jameer gibbs or david montgomery uh david montgomery I, I really I, I think he's like Man. like uh, Denny was kind of getting to. I think he's still going to be involved in the passing attack enough, and I really do think. I mean, if this is a healthy David Montgomery, and you get at least four of those offensive line starters for like most of the season, I really think yeah. he's going to have like a double digit touchdown, thousand yards, going to get looks in the passing attack, and not just as an afterthought or as a last ditch effort. Like I really think they they see a vision with him, and it's kind of crazy how young he still is and kind of I, I don't know I, I really like the fit with Montgomery in this Detroit offense I'm, I'm thinking this is like a real breakout year for him yeah uh, to uh from your lips to God's ears please as I've drafted uh stay in the backfield a little bit here with with Jared Goff now Goff last year uh had uh 587 pass attempts which uh, if you would have told me that before the season I would have said wow that must have been a, a miserable year for the Lions <laughs> and uh it turns out it, it wasn't. And so my question for golf going into 2023 is after, you know, they've seemingly committed to him as 
the starter, are they comfortable with that amount of passing or do you think they would like to, you know, reel that in a little bit? I think they'd like to reel it in a little bit. And I think a lot of that is because the last five weeks, not only did they have backfield injuries, but the rushing attack just like fell off a cliff in that like the last five or six games of the season. So, I mean, the offense really was like on Jared Goff's back to protect the ball and feed Amon Ross St. Brown and make the most of it. But uh, I think they, I mean, they're comfortable with that, obviously with what they did down the stretch and Ben Johnson's just always keeping his passing attack fresh. It seems like with new looks week in and week out, I think they're fine with that, but I think in a, ideal world they'd probably like to take about 75 passes off of that number if they could mm. 75 sounds like a lot but that sounds right to me where i, I think a rational yeah, coaching yeah, staff yeah. <laughs> would assume that was maybe like a career year for jared goff and oh, yeah. so they uh, approached the offseason and used a 12 number 12 pick on a running back so just <laughs> the reasoning checks out and it just seems like this is a very smart team and they're not hitting on 17 basically with jared goff and this is a quick aside. Do you think it was always the intention to build around Jared Goff, or was this kind of done on the fly after they overachieved? I, I think it was done, you know, I think because it was so brutal that first year. He didn't even have a little part last year. I think it was always open-ended, but I, I don't think this was the long-term plan at all to be where, like, <laughs> going into 2023-2024, and you're like, yeah, Jared Goff's the guy in Detroit. It looks like moving forward, bearing a complete collapse to where he was before he got here. But, no, I, I think – I think they went into it. I mean, I've joked since the beginning that Brad Holmes got there. Love something like Brad Holmes loves Jared Goff. But, like, I do think that, like, this was open-ended. Like, I think, like, if he would have flopped last year, I mean, they would have been in a position to go up and get a Richardson or mm-hmm. one, of, one of the two top quarterbacks, and they didn't. I mean, the last two years they had chances to do that, and they didn't. So, I think, yeah, I think it was just kind of like an open-ending, like, let's see what he's got. Like, I, I've seen what this guy can do before. And then, I mean, like you said, last year, I mean, I'll say that was his best football. He's never protected the ball like that and led a team. And, I mean, I mean, he literally put that team on his back a couple times down the stretch there. So, I mean, one reason I feel like to maybe dial back the pass attempts for – there's a perception that the Lions have all these weapons because they have Amon Ra, now they have Jameer Gibbs, they have rookie Sam Laporta, but they have, like, some receiving depth, but they don't really like, have, like, high-end receiving depth. Who would you say is the number two target behind Amonra? Is it, quote, still? I put still in air quotes for Marvin Jones because was he even really the number two target last year? Like, who would you say the number two target is for the Lions? I, I do think it's Marvin Jones with a healthy combination of uh, Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond, who have just kind of – Khalif Raymond, I mean, look at his last two seasons. It's absolutely ridiculous what they've continued to get out of him. I mean, just back-to-back career years, and it's like – yeah, it's a weird group. I mean, because it's they, they throw so much out there. But I would say that Jones is the de facto until Jamison Williams gets back. And then you really like, all right, get that guy out there. Like, take the training wheels off. Like, that's your number two wide receiver. That's what you drafted him for. But I think they're pretty comfortable with Marv, you know. You know, I, I think he just kind of was the odd man out with the way the Jaguars were going last year, some of the investments they made. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously don't want a, a playoff team. You know, Marvin Jones going to age 34, that's kind of a – kind of a questionable thing for sure, especially you know, his speed is dropping off. But I, I do think he's kind of the clear number two going into it with a heavy mix of Reynolds and Raymond and who knows about Denzel Mims now too. So we'll see. Yeah. I definitely uh, I definitely remember that Marvin Jones was on the Detroit roster. before. Yeah. I know. I know. It's tough. Like with Marvin Jones, sometimes I find myself talking like he was a lion last year or like, you know, it's like, oh, when was he on the Jaguars? Um, yeah, for sure. So. That is, uh, yeah. that is he, he's currently uh, yeah. on the lines. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I don't want to confuse folks here. Uh, yeah. So, you know, getting to Jameson Williams real quick, um, you know, with his suspension coming up for the, uh, you know, sports betting situation, uh, you know, are is the team, do you think, getting impatient with him at all? I, I know that last year, you know, he missed most of the year. It wasn't his fault. I mean, he, he you know, he tore his, uh, tore his knee up in the national championship game the year before. But is there any, uh, indication that the team is getting a little impatient with Williams. I, I I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they are really kind of, they're like, okay, this sucks. But obviously like, it's kind of a, his situation was kind of a weird deal. He's not on, he's like not an active player. He's betting on a sport that's not the NFL. So I think they're kind of like, all right, let's re-educate and go with that. But uh, the clock is ticking. I, I don't think they're at the point of impatience yet. And I think a lot of people, on the Detroit media scene have really, really blown this out of proportion. I mean, yeah, there are some red flags, no doubt. There are some things you want to curb as early as possible, but this is, this is a kid. I think he's just freshly turned 22 years old and he's been in the football spotlight for like 
one season as a player at Alabama. So I think they're, I, I think when they took Jameis and they knew there was going to be some fixable immaturity as a young kid, I mean, the clock is ticking. I mean, if he, if it's, if he does nothing with the final 11 games and potential playoffs this year, then I think it's going to be like, okay, what did, what, what did we do? What did we move up for here? But I, I think that, you know, they've had him on the field. They see the speed. They see what he can do. I mean, it was great to look at him in spring with kind of the training wheels off, going with the first and second team offense, just getting as many reps as possible. And I think they just see the kind of flavor and the elite kind of take the top off a of defense potential there. So I think they're going to exercise every ounce of right. patience that, that rookie contract allows them to. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that speed that you mentioned and that, yeah. that ability to kind of, I don't know, scare secondaries into playing off the line a little bit. Uh, does that do, and it's a leading question, and I'm sorry, but uh, th- does that do anything for Amon Ross St. Brown uh, differently than, than you know, he's faced over the past two seasons with someone with that kind of elite speed that can scare secondaries? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, DJ Chark was a difference maker for Amon Ross St. Brown last year just by his ability to kind of stretch the field. I mean, you get Jameson out there, and you've got the full attention of both safeties and one side of the field. I mean, you've got to remember where he is at all the time. And when you've just got a precision killer like Amon Ross St. Brown, that's just – I mean, that that just makes life so easy. I mean, I look at Sam Laporta as someone who's going to make Amon Ross St. Brown so easy, being able to go inside and kind of just yeah. – similar things in similar places. I, I just, yeah, you get Jameson Williams on the field. And I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown's an all pro type of guy to me for sure. I mean, that's just like a perfect marriage of skills and what they can do. And personalities couldn't be more separate too and stuff like, but I mean, you see, you, you see the vision, you absolutely see the vision because I mean, that's, that's a potential superstar in St. Brown, especially when you put Jameson out there. Right. Uh, St. Brown said recently that he wanted to be targeted downfield more. Now, uh, fantasy folks got kind of excited about this. I am not excited about this because I like my cheap PPR points. Amen. I, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't want him on rest. This guy knows what I'm talking about. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't want him pop, turning into a complete receiver. For the love of God, Amon Ra, please do not turn into a complete receiver. I just need to do that. Catch those three yard passes. So is that is that a possibility? Do you think? Please tell me no. Uh, the, I think with Jameson out, you're going to kind of see what it looked like with Chark out as uh, more of a mix to outside and vertical just by the simple fact of being their best playmaker. He's going to have to yeah. do those things. So I do think there is going to be less of the quantity in at least the first half of the season, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, he's going to be he's going to be All going right. downfield a lot more. At hey, least I appreciate half. I appreciate you telling me the truth. That's the hard truth. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> we need to few guys we got to ask you about before we get out of here. We need to ask you about Sam Laporta, but yeah. how did Jamison Williams look in offseason practice? I mean, did you even get to see him much? I mean, he was practicing, right? I it's the him. most I've gotten to see of Jamison since they drafted him. And I, it was a roller coaster ride. The first week was kind of just filled with like, what is going on here? Drops and just like in both like seven on sevens and situational work. But then like, the last three days, I think it was, when he was working with the first and t- second team offense, I mean, he – gosh, I just – there was one where he just left somebody in their dust so bad, and he was going at it with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Cam Sutton. As one like, does. They're just screaming in his face <laughs> and stuff. And, I mean, he, he's kind of, J-Mo's kind of a silent killer on the field too. doesn't say much, but, I mean, you saw the speed where he just, like, shook somebody five yards at the line and just, like, trotted in the end zone all alone. And, I mean, <laughs> yes. he, he, I mean, he had a couple boneheaded drops for sure. That you're like, how the heck did he drop that? But, I mean, just some of the plays. And you kind of saw him and Goff getting into a little chemistry, like, especially in, like, the red zone work, too, where stuff would break down and Jameson would just be like, oh, I can just sprint across the back of the end zone and get wide open. That's great. And they, it, So, yeah, there were some uh, warming signs towards the end of the spring offseason <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sam Laporta, who you mentioned earlier, has gotten a lot of offseason buzz uh, from you know beat writers and Lions coaches alike. Uh, is he first of all? Is he the uh, the favorite to be the primary pass catching route running tight end for Detroit? And are there enough like intermediate or short targets? Do you think uh, for him and Amon Ross St. Brown to thrive in this offense? Yeah, I, re- I really do. And I, I, I he might not like start right out of the gates, but the, the, the roles between Brock Wright and Sam Laporta are going to be pretty separate. You know, Laporta is going to be the big slack guy in the red zone. He's going to be he's going to do a little bit of everything. I think pretty safely he'll be the number one primary receiving tight end pretty much from the get, even if he's not a starter. And I, I love the way they match up. I, I love the way they match up because that just plays with Jared Goff's game. And when Jared Goff is on top of his game protecting the ball, 
he's as precise as they come from the short to intermediate. I mean, you get two guys like that, keep them on both sides of the field. That's that's hard to keep up with. And I mean, you see how they've built that too. You you get an Amon Ross St. Brown, you get a Sam Laporta underneath. I mean, Jamison Williams going over the top, and that's exactly what the deep vision of this is for. But I think there's enough to go around for sure. And I do think Sam Laporta, I, I try not to buy too much stock into rookie tight ends, but I think that's going to be a pretty specific role. He's not coming in with the like the hype of Hawkinson and stuff like that too. And I mean, I, I, I nothing against Hawkinson, but it's like he wasn't much of a blocker when he was here either. And he just like right. could never stay on his feet after the catch. No rookie <laughs> yeah. tight end is going to be able to do that better than Sam Laporta. I mean, he lined up out wide more than any college tight end. And I just see play action crossers galore for that dude with Jared Goff. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, and Hawkinson is cut in the Zach Ertz model of tight end. Yeah. <laughs> you catch the ball and you immediately fall to the grass. Off the, next. Yeah. <laughs> off the top of your head in fantasy, tight end what for Sam Laporta? Oh, man. Um, we know you're a reporter and you're trying to – Yeah. No. We want to provide real information, but we just want your gut feel. Overall rating, like 17 to 20 range. Okay, that actually – be my guess. Yeah, that seems pretty yeah. reasonable. So ceiling of like fifteen, maybe a top fifteen at the most. But yeah, he, he's going to get enough looks. He's going to have some duds for sure. But like, he's mm-hmm. going to have some games where he has 10, 11 targets. I feel like we've taken a lot of your time. We got to get to Alex Shapiro in just a second. But I'll get you out of here on a boilerplate question. Who who is the most impressive Lions skill player you saw in offseason practices? In offseason practices, I mean, it's honestly, it's Amon Ross St. Brown by like 10,000 miles. Uh, yeah. Nobody works as hard as him. It's so cliche, but he like, he is the same crazy person every single snap, every drill. <laughs> I mean, he is, he's impressive and he's, he's precise in everything he does and with the improved secondary. And I mean, with the, ultra improved secondary of like some like actual starting level cornerbacks out there. He still looks like he's getting better. So I, he is, he is their best offensive threat by quite a great deal. And I've got, I mean, he, he's, he's something else. I mean, he, we knew he was different from the time he got there, but we, I mean, even the most optimistic and back padding of thinkers isn't going to say that they thought he was going to be this. It's just, yeah. The yeah. sky's the limit. I mean, he still has more. He still has more. I feel he, like uh, importantly, he has that dog in him. He has. He, he is the picture next to that definition in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> he has several different dogs in him. Yeah, yeah. Uncontainable levels of dog. Uh, uncontainable levels of information for Mr. Ben Raven from MLive.com. Ben, again, he's on Twitter. Uh, we're all still on Twitter, by the way, right? Still there. <laughs> and, uh, Benjamin S. Raven. He's going to be on Twitter with Denny and I until the ship goes down, which hopefully never – the threads – Ship, by the way, already going down. It seems. Did like. it really? I didn't pay. Yeah, any no one's really. <laughs> <laughs> seems like the the uh, the quote user minutes are already plummeting on Gosh. threads <laughs> since it seemed to me mostly people posting about getting haircuts. <laughs> uh, ben is on Twitter. He's here with us. He's in M on MLive.com all the time. Really, really great on the Lions beat. Really, really great stuff with us today, Ben. Uh, good luck reporting and good yeah. luck with your fantasy teams this year. Appreciate you. Right back Thanks, at ben. you in any time. Thank you, Ben. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get you back uh, a year from now. Uh, we're about <laughs> we'll, to we'll jump right in, Alex. By the way, I'll leave it up to the uh, the our listening audience to determine if I remember what team Marvin Jones was on last year. They can decide. When I was leading a question, and may or may not have sounded like I remembered what team Marvin Jones was on last year. I'll, I'll let the audience decide. Yeah, well, I I knew off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew, knew that he was back. on the Houston Houston Texans last year. <laughs> so, no, uh, we'll be right back after this with Mr. Alex Shapiro. With the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one step ahead of your league during the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and much more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code draft 2023 to save 20% at checkout. That is promo code draft 2023 at NBCSports.com slash draft guide to save 20% at checkout. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. It is now our distinct pleasure. Our NBC Sports colleague, Alex Shapiro from NBC Sports Chicago. Alex, you are currently muted. You haven't started to speak yet. Just warning you before you did try to speak. Um, you know, I made the same joke to Ben, but we, we, we talk about, we want to talk to beat writers from the most interesting teams in a division. The Bears have not been that in a long time. Uh, they are at least interesting this year. We don't know like if they'll actually be good or not. They did have, indeed have the number one overall pick in this draft before they traded it. But yeah, I'll, I'll just really general question. What is the overall vibe and sense uh, around this team heading into training camp? Well, first of all, Patrick, Denny, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, vibes are vibes are high right now at Hallis Hall. I think Justin Fields, they're like, okay, you're our guy, right? They, they had the number fi- one They got pick. around to that. They finally got around to that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they had the number one pick. They had the chance to go get a quarterback. They said, no, we're going we're gonna to ride with, with Justin Fields for at least one more year. Um, and I think, you know, this is the first time in Justin Fields career that he's got some consistency because after year one, the Matt Nagy disaster, the offense just didn't work. They had to reset with Luke Getze, but then last year there weren't any skill players. There wasn't really anybody to help him out this year. Now they've got the consistency and they have so much more around Justin Fields than they did last year. Obviously the DJ Moore trade, you know, that's the trade that sent the number one overall pick to Carolina. Big part of that was getting DJ Moore back, uh, chase Claypool. I know that that trade did not work out last season and got panned but now you have chase claypool a full off season he's fully healthy um and darnell mooney coming back from his ankle injury so i mean a lot went wrong last year and now there are a lot more pieces a little bit more consistency uh so you know is anybody saying the bears are going to contend for a super bowl probably not but i don't think people expect the bears to be the worst team in the nfl again (laughs) <laughs> that's that is good they the expectations are higher than that and you got to a lot of guys we're gonna have to have you elaborate on in a second but you hit on like the main point i wanted to get to is they finally went out and got justin fields a supporting cast um is there any sense that this could be like an eagles type situation where the bears open things up for their young quarterback or is this still going to remain predominantly a run-based offense one where Maybe we're still complaining in the fantasy football community that there's not enough attempts to go around for these skilled players. Or do you think there is going to be a concerted effort to actually become like a much more balanced and maybe even like a slightly more pass heavy offense? Yeah, I don't think I would go as far as to say a pass heavy offense, but certainly more balanced. I think the Bears are always going to be a run first team. I mean, when Matty Berflus, Ryan Poles, and Luke Getze all joined the Bears, they made it pretty clear we're going to run the football. And Every coach says that, right? Every coach says we want to run the football, but last year they actually did it. You know, they were really dedicated to using David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, and then obviously Justin Fields as a rusher. I think to a degree that's going to continue, especially when you look at the investments they made at running back. They lost David Montgomery, but then they bring in Deontay Foreman and Travis Homer, and they draft Roshan Johnson. Of course, they still have Khalil Herbert, who was great last season. So I do think that they are still going to be a run first team. But again, I also think they will be passing the ball more. I mean, there were times last season when the passing attack, I mean, there was nothing doing. You know, Darnell Mooney got hurt uh, week 12. Chase Claypool, we just talked about them bringing him in. He goes down. So there just weren't a ton of options towards the end of the year. They really had to lean on their running backs. Um, So I think it'll skew more to the middle. I don't know that it's going to ever be the Eagles thing. And then when we're talking about the offense as a whole, I don't know that we're going to talk about a huge huge boost like the eagles did you know where people are like are they or are they not a good team and then all of a sudden they're in the super bowl just because i think the eagles were 
maybe better suited, better prepared, had a, their roster a little bit more, a little more depth. Yeah, exactly. They had that depth, that defensive line that they were able to just roll out wave after wave after wave. The bears still have more holes on their roster than the Eagles did when they made their big turn. So I don't know that that's going to be a huge leap like the Eagles, but maybe steps in the right direction. Yeah. Just to be clear, I wasn't intimating that they might be like the next Eagles, just kind of on offense, like the pass attempts, which you, you did answer both. And yeah, uh, Bears, yeah, as you've said, probably do not have that depth to make an no. Eagles-type leap in 2023. Uh, Alex, uh, you know, you, you talked about Fields a second ago, and from a fantasy standpoint, you know, his his rushing was otherworldly uh, last year. I mean, it was he just went nuclear. He had 10 rushing attempts, at least 10 rushing attempts, in eight of his 16 full games, which is, you know, just unreal. You would have signed up – he would have signed up, you know – to take him in the second or third round of fantasy drafts, if he had known that going into the season there, I, I have seen some chatter from coaches, maybe a little bit from fields himself about him saying, I don't know if we're going to be doing that 10, 12, 15 rush thing, every single mm-hmm. game this year. Is that, do you think that's part of just part of fields game right now as, as a young quarterback getting used to the NFL game, or do you really think that there might be a concerted effort to reel, reel that back a little bit? Yeah. I think there might be an effort to, to reel back. The designed runs are always going to be a part of it. There's always going to be some element of designed runs. But a lot of those rushes last season were just scrambles because everything fell apart. We yeah, talked right. about the playmakers just not being able to get open. Uh, the offensive line was not very good, so he's running for his life. So a good chunk of those rushes were just because Justin Fields is kind of dancing around, trying to make something happen. There's nothing there, so he's just forced to take off, right? Improved offensive line play, improved playmakers around here. I think that alone will cut into Justin Fields' rushing attempt numbers. But the designed runs, I think, are always going to be a part of the equation because, I mean, that's his strength. That's Well, his strength is really his deep ball. He throws an incredible deep ball, and he does want to be a pocket passer first. He wants to throw the football first. But since he is so good at running the football, I think it's always going to be a part of the Bears' offensive game plan. Good to hear. Yeah, very good to hear. Yes, it, 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 I guess was the shoulder injury on a run, by the way, last year. I believe it was. Um, you know, oh. he's been dinged up so many yes, times. It's true. It, it's, it's like which shoulder injury? The <laughs> ribs. <laughs> there was the ankle. Uh, I know. I think one was on a run. Good, good yeah. portion of them were on sacks. Anyway, the point uh, very much stands. Anyway, that they're probably going to try to protect him a little more. Yes, and Alex, you mentioned the big move for DJ Moore. Again impossible to understate how big of a part of that number one overall pick trade he was for the bears. He's a guy in fantasy who's already had like a lot of really good seasons, but he's someone we're always just kind of been expecting like there to be another level to his game. And it was really hard to unlock that in Carolina where he just didn't have the quarterback play. How is he fitting into this bears offense? How is he meshing with Justin Fields? I know you haven't gotten to see a ton. We haven't even put pads on yet. Training camp has not begun, but how has he been meshing with this Bears offense? I'll say I've actually been impressed by how quickly things have come along. Um, now you hear quarterbacks and wide receivers, they always say, oh, yeah, our chemistry is already great, right? And you're like, okay, <laughs> let me see it. In this case, we actually have seen some of those things that that point to there being early chemistry. at Over OTAs and minicamp last season, there were balls hitting the ground all over the place the deep ball just wasn't there whatsoever. Um, Obviously people aren't panicking because it's like May and June. So like whatever, they'll figure it out. But this year we saw a lot more of those passes being completed and DJ Moore was on the receiving end of a bunch of them and not just deep balls, intermediate balls, short game. To me, there was a concerted effort between those two guys and, you know, the organization as a whole to get Justin Fields and DJ Moore on the same page early. One to two. Let's make it happen a lot. And we did. We saw it a lot to the point where, you know, we're looking around. We're like, oh, man, is, is there is this for real? Like, <laughs> is this going to be for real, for real? Uh, oh, he, he did make a Please lot of yes. impressive plays. He made a lot of impressive plays. It's going to look different, as you said, when training camp happens and they got the pads on. They can play a little bit more physical football. But at least the early summer stuff, we did see that DJ Moore effect right mm-hmm. away. Uh, staying in the receiver room here, Chase Claypool, who you mentioned earlier, just, just momentarily, there were some issues with Claypool last year. I, I remember several reports about him 
not picking up the, the playbook, uh, not being able to get playing time, you know, because of that and, and, and some other issues. Maybe he was dinged up a little bit here and there. Uh, so how are things going with Claypool this, this <laughs> offseason? And, you know, can we expect him to be, uh, you know, a part of two or three receiver sets for Chicago uh, this year? Yeah, absolutely. Just to answer the last part of your question first, I mean, you got to remember the Bears traded away what turned out to be the number 32 overall pick in the draft to bring in Chase Claypool. So I fully expect them to give him every opportunity possible to show, yeah, I was worth that trade because, right, they also have to make a decision coming up after the season. Are they going to extend him or are they going to let him go? So I think they are going to give him plenty of opportunities to, to make a name for himself in this offense. Now, going into differences between this year and last year, uh, Justin Fields, actually himself, completely unrelated question, brought up Chase Claypool and how his understanding of the offense is better and his, like, I don't want to say work ethic. I, I don't really remember exactly what it is and because that has such a bad connotation we hear. His yeah, work ethic yeah, is better. Yeah. But the way he is working at the offense, it's like it's notably improved this year to last year. Here's the other thing with this Bears offense. I mean, Every NFL offense is tough for every position to learn, but the Bears in particular ask their wide receivers to learn pretty much every single position on the field, X, Y, Z, and then they have all these different rules about what happens based on coverages, based on you know what the QB says, whatever. So there are all so many different options, and it's, it's tough for wide receivers to be able to pick that up in the middle of the season, which is why I think we saw a lesser route tree for Chase Claypool last year. And for what it's worth, I thought Chase was actually starting to figure it out in that Green Bay game in the in the latter portions of the season. They finally started hitting for a few connections, a few completions, and then bam, Chase Claypool gets hurt, misses out. And then when Chase is healthy, then Justin Fields was hurt. So they never really got to get back on track. Um, so with a full offseason learning everything, I do expect Chase Claypool to take a step forward, you know, uh, He's got the ability. He's got the talent. We've seen it. Now with a f- all of these months to learn, to study, uh, going through training camp with these guys, and like I said, I think the Bears are going to give him every opportunity to make a name for himself. You know, is he going to be a wide receiver one? No, DJ Moore is the wide receiver one. But between him and Mooney, I think both of those guys should should be seriously involved in the passing attack. Who do you who do you like more? I'm sorry, Pat. Just real quick on this. Who do you like more between Mooney and Claypool to step into that wide receiver two role? Oh, that's that's the question, man. That's the number one question. I think right now Mooney has the edge just okay. because he's had more of a relationship with Justin Fields. He's had more time in this offense, and uh, he's kind of proven it more consistently. Last year was a dud, right? When the Bears asked him to be wide receiver one, it didn't work out in the early portions of the season. But when Mooney has had the opportunity to be a two, he's been great. So I think, you know, him sliding back into that wide receiver two role, he should be able to thrive again. And just because I've seen it more and more consistently from Mooney, Mooney rather, I'll give him the nod. But I mean, Chase Claypool's got all the tools and he does different things. He's like a bigger bodied guy, more 50, 50 ball guy where Mooney uses his elusiveness to really create separation, gets open in the middle of the field yak attack so they do different things um which is which is great for the bears offense obviously but right now on july 20th i'll probably give mooney the nod okay humble brag that you remembered what day it was uh, <laughs> definitely looked at my computer yeah, I know, screen I right down there <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, denny had read my mind that's what i was just wondering who the number two was right now but not surprised the answer is it's just got to shake out in camp and it, it's a uh, unusual problem for the Bears of recent history to have, uh, you know, like who's going to be the number two uh, where they've actually got two really good options. And so really, really fascinating top of the receiver core for the Bears. Uh, they also have two or three running backs, kind of a crazy situation after David Montgomery, you know, almost his entire rookie contract was kind of an every down player. Khalil Herbert really did kind of begin to chip into that last year, but just how do you think the backfield touches are shaking out between Khalil Herbert Rookie Roshan Johnson, free agent addition Deontay Foreman, a really good year in Carolina. Really, really hard backfield to predict in fantasy football. Yes. For fantasy purposes, I am very wary of this backfield just because I think it will truly be a running back by committee. They could totally take a hot hand approach. All three guys really, I think, are capable of 
you know, earning starting touches. Khalil Herbert's going to be the guy who gets the first bite at the apple. The Bears mm-hmm. have said that. Like day one, Khalil Herbert is going to be number one on the reps chart. They won't even call it a depth chart yet. It's a reps chart, not a depth chart. Oh, right? Okay. right, exactly. <laughs> that, that's where we're at. Um, so he's going to get the first bite at the apple. But from there, all bets are off. And Deonta Foreman, I mean, we saw it last year after the Christian McCaffrey trade. He proved, hey. I can I can shoulder the load, and he said I'm not coming in here to back up anybody. I'm coming up here. I'm coming to Chicago to 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 shoulder the load myself. And then Roshan Johnson, the Bears are so high on him; they love him. Mm-hmm. And you know, looking at Texas, th- that tape, he brings a physical style. I mean, a bruising running back that I think will remind a lot of fans a lot of David Montgomery here in Chicago. Uh, so they could have a serious three-headed monster here. And it is just far too early to say if there's a if there's a lead guy, there may never be a lead guy for the Bears. That's, uh, that's tough. That's tough news for us. It is. I know it's tough for fantasy. <laughs> is any even one role set like so and so is the third down back, so and so is the goal line back, or is it? It's just all up for grabs right now. You think? Here's what I will say: Khalil Herbert, the biggest knock on him last year was pass protection. So that kind of takes him out of third down stuff, right? Uh, but he knows that all the coaches know that. So that's been his main focus. He's been really working on pass pro. He's done boxing to try and improve his first punch, his strike. Oh. So, yeah, so he he knows. He's like, if I want to stay on the field, I have to improve in pass pro. Uh, we'll see if if he actually was able to make strides. Otherwise, Roshan Johnson is really well known for his pass protection. And if I'm just watching my eyes, like, you know, trying to make sense of it myself as a total outsider, you know, Mm -hmm. I think Khalil Herbert's rushing style plays great as either a change of pace back, you know, let's, if we give Deonta Foreman the first two series, then Khalil Herbert comes in for series three and is, and is great or is wonderful as a first and second down back because he's so good in that zone scheme that Luke Getze has installed, right? The one cut and go back. Roshan Johnson, we talked about his bruising physical style. He's hard to bring down. He's a good pass catcher. He's a good pass blocker. He could be a short yardage guy, a goal line guy. So again, this is just me speculating based on what I think of these players. But honestly, it's it's too early to tell with these guys. I had a quick question just about the, I don't know, the environment of the team or the culture of the Bears. Not just these Bears, but all the all the Bears teams down the line. Uh, is there a desire uh, among the coaches and among the players to have a modernized offense, you know, something that can go toe to toe with with the elite teams? Or, you know, is it like, you know, we, we're in Chicago, tough city, cold city. Everybody's miserable. Not everybody, you know, but it's, <laughs> in the winter, in the winter, it's very cold. Only miserable you know? in February when and it's so, been cold for three months and it's going to be cold for another three months. Right, Summer so starts we, June 27th. Yeah, we want to run. We want to run over teams. You know, that's who we are. That's Bears football. Do you think that that has has taken hold or do, or do people want fans, players? Do they want a modernized offense? Here? I think it's a little bit of both. OK, uh, it's clear the Bears love their tradition, respect the history. And that's top down. That's Ryan Poles. That's Matt Eberflus. That is the players. They make mention of that a lot. It is a joy and a privilege to play in Chicago, especially the, the defensive players say that, where an unbelievable list of linebackers have played here, where it's known for defense. Demarcus Walker, I think, said he was like, he's just so thankful to be playing in a city where defense is appreciated. It's the first time in his career. He's like, this rules. People love defense here. <laughs> and we've already mentioned that the Bears want to run the football, right? So yeah. that plays into it. However, they know they need to pass. They need to gain chunk yards. They need to score points in today's NFL. So it's kind of it's kind of both, right? They just want to be a full, well-rounded football team that scores a lot of points. You know, they've never had a 4,000-yard passer. I believe Man, Justin Fields on, uh, on, on another podcast said he's like, it's going to happen. This is the year. I'm going to do it. Like, we're going to have a 4,000-yard passer in this organization. So th- they're aware of all of those things. And, yeah, they, they know they got to score points to win. Yes, please. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, Alex, we're we going to get you out of here in just a second. But is there anyone we haven't mentioned that caught your attention on offense? This, I mean, Equimenius, St. Brown, still on the roster. Velas Jones is still on the roster. Cole Komet, of course, took a big step forward near the end of last season. We've all been focusing on, like, the bigger names they now have up top and kind of the backfield confusion. But any of these more, like, secondary guys 
catch your attention this offseason. Yeah. On offense specifically, I'll throw one name that didn't come up just now. Robert Tunyon. Um, wow. He's no. a guy who has experience in Luke Getze's offense from their time together in Green Bay uh, and who I think really complements Cole Komet really well. Cole Komet has, in my opinion, developed into a really nice inline blocker who can leak out and catch passes. He's kind of that dual tight end guy. I can come in and help in protection, or I can leak down the middle, in the flat, down the seam, whatever, and catch a few balls. Robert Tunyon, I think, is, is going to slide into that more pure pass-catching tight end role so that the Bears can use more two tight end sets. I think that helps Cole Komet, and it helps Robert Tunyon, to be honest. And for my money, Robert Tunyon made the best catch of the early stages of the summer program. Wow. Uh, yeah, he shook a guy in the back of the end zone, went towards the, the back corner, Fields uh, through an absolute laser beam to where only Tunney could could make a play, and Tunney made a super athletic catch to bring it in for a touchdown. Where it was like, oh, okay, that's what they want out of this. So I'm going to throw both tight ends out there. I think both tight ends are going to be viable in this offense, are going to be important in this offense. But when we're looking a little bit more under the radar, Robert Tunyon, you know, could could make an impact as tight end too. Unfortunately, for, unfortunately for fantasy purposes, Cole Komet is a good blocker, and we we, yeah, we always <laughs> talk about that, Alex. The motif on the show—you don't want your tight ends to be good at blocking. No, please. <laughs> hey, if you're good at blocking, that means you're going to be good in the play-action game. That's a lot true. of third-down opportunities. Just, you get kiddled though too often when you can block. Yeah. <laughs> you go four weeks without scoring a touchdown, and then you score three all in one game. By the way, we're talking about the hard-nosed identity of the Bears. Why are they? Why are they going to move to Arlington Heights? Stay in Chicago. So they can own the land. It's as easy as that. They don't own Soldier Field, and I don't think the city is going to sell them Soldier Field. So they're going to go own their – they do own the land. They bought it. They bought Arlington Park. They own the land. If I, as a business owner, had the opportunity between leasing my home stadium and owning my home stadium, I would pick owning my home stadium 10 out of 10 times. That's you sound like maybe a businessman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you attend any Cubs Cardinals this weekend? By the way, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, coming at you right now. You know, I will not be going to Cubs Cardinals this weekend. We have some friends visiting from out of town. Uh, going to Wrigley Field is not on our agenda. <laughs> also, you know, I grew up watching the Southsiders. Ooh, I come wow. from a split household, so. My father's side, Southsiders. My mother's side, Northsiders. I guess baseball's passed down patrilineally, because I grew up watching the Sox more than the Cubs. Now I don't have I don't have hate in my heart for the Cubs. Well, that's a problem. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got you got to get more more hate, more hate yeah. in that heart. Uh, Alex, uh, by the way, congratulations on your White Sox winning today. I saw that. I saw that. I just wanted to say, wow. There you go. <laughs> they did it. Nice they job. did it. Yeah, there, there, Denny. I don't know if you're following the Sox season. It's been a little rough. But uh, oh, oh just really? Saying, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> but, really, Alex. Really thank rough. you so much for coming in here and dropping some bears, some NFC North knowledge. At Alex Shapiro, NBCS on Twitter, at NBC Sports Chicago on the interwebs. Yeah, thanks. And sorry that like your life isn't over now that training camp is starting. Yeah. But, no, it's okay. My life is just beginning. I'm actually very true. excited. We get to watch Good. football. We get to watch real football. It's going to be great. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really, really, really good stuff. Uh, really good stuff from both of our guests, Denny. But now we have to – am I turning yellow again? Um, you know, well, you're you're sort of uh, turning pixelated. I, look, I feel like I'm podcasting with you in 2009. I don't know what is – I mean, Charter Communications is going to be facing a lawsuit is all I can really say. I, uh, I have Comcast. I have Comcast, and it, it has never <laughs> failed me. It has never failed you on the podcast, or if mine is somewhat, somewhat routinely failing me in the past week or two, and we are looking very powerfully. I, I love Comcast, personally. Yeah. So we're looking very strongly into taking a quick break and then returning right after this. Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres are looking to climb back into the postseason picture, and they will have a shot to inch closer on Sunday MLB leadoff in Detroit when they face the Tigers this weekend. Stream the matchup live on July 23rd at 11.30 a.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock. And don't forget, find all of your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. That is Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Well, Denny, two other teams in this division. Um, we got to, again, real upset that the Bears and Lions are the two interesting ones. And yes. Not that the Vikings are uninteresting. And we got a lot of interesting questions with the Green Bay Packers. Where we'll start. And 
I'll just ask you about – I feel like one of the more divisive players in off-season drafting and certainly in the redraft drafting really ramps up in the next month, Christian Watson. Mm-hmm. Is he going to regress? Is he going to break out further? Can he possibly run that hot again? Right. So on and so forth. What is your Christian Watson take? Uh, you know, my my take on Watson has cooled uh, considerably over the past month as I have read uh, smart people's takes on Christian Watson uh, instead of instead of my own. Uh, and it seems that he's going to be extremely reliant on big plays and on touchdowns. Now, I'm not engaging in the kind of analysis that says if you take away all of the guy's big plays, uh, then he's not good. You know, then then he's then he's bad. I'm not doing that. Okay, he will like he he will happen into big plays because that's his game. I don't know how consistent he can be. He might win you weeks. He might be a complete dud in your lineup once in a while. Uh, so I, I I don't know if I can take him at that wide receiver 20 ADP where he's going right now. Say, so Denny, you got to live it a little dangerously. Everyone's touchdown rate can remain that prolific. There was absolutely nothing fluky about it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do hate to say like, oh, the guy, the explosive guy can't keep being explosive. That just seems wrong. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he was really, really reliant on, uh, touchdowns and, and huge plays, huge downfield plays last year. Uh, and, and so at, at wide receiver 20, I don't know at, with Romeo Dobbs at wide receiver 55, uh, I, I can, I can get more into Dobbs at ADP. Tell us uh, why. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And here's why here are some, some positives from Romeo Dobbs's rookie season, Remember, we were going in, in going into the season. It was saying, we were saying, you know, Dobbs is going to be the wide receiver one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't like him. Okay, uh, and imagine that Aaron Rodgers not liking a rookie receiver, and I think that that hurt him. I think that that hurt him in the pecking order. Uh, Rodgers was dead set on Al- Alan Lazard being the wide receiver one for Green Bay. That that wasn't good for Dobbs. But on on the full season, and Dobbs missed five games with an ankle injury. On the full season, Dobbs matched Lazard in targets per route run at 24% and ran the second most routes on the team despite missing, uh, like I said, those those five games and then part uh, a part of another. Uh, Next Gen Stats uh, gives Dobbs the, the best separation numbers among all Packers receivers last year. And then, you know, when you, you look at some comments from both Matt LaFleur and uh, Jordan Love, this offseason, I think that you can read the tea leaves a little bit. Uh, Love said this. I'll, I'll read it to the class if you don't mind real quick. I don't mind. Uh, Jordan Love said this of Romeo Dobbs, quote, when in doubt, you can throw it out there and you know he's going to make a play and he's done a great job of going and getting the ball wherever he's at. He's made some really tough catches and it kind of just builds everybody's confidence. It builds my confidence in him just being able to throw the ball out there and know he is always going to make a play. I should also mention just from a, from a metric standpoint, uh, Dobbs dominated uh, targets when Jordan Love was t- uh, uh, playing in the preseason last year. Okay. Yes. We are going to preseason wow. stats folks. We're going all the way back, but we don't have much to work with. You know, I don't, I don't have much. So, so we have to look at when they've been on the field together and when they have love has looked for Dobbs a lot. Danny, you seem a little higher on Jordan Love than a lot of people in the industry. I, I mean, is, is that remaining the case as we get closer, as you've ingested even more data over the past few months? Or is there is there any bullish, like, single QB redraft case for Jordan Love, or is that just not really happening in 2023? Well, okay, yeah. When I when I'll say that I, I I like Jordan Love, I guess more than more than most in the fantasy ana- analysis community. I, I'll say that I like him as a late round tar, uh, dart throw and as a super flex option if you're if you're playing in that format. Now, as far as like later round quarterbacks, I'd much prefer Daniel Jones. Uh, I'd, I'd much prefer Tua. I know that those guys go ahead of Jordan Love, but you know if you are waiting on quarterback, I'd prefer those guys over Love. You know, Love's. Uh, I don't know. I I I can't I can't count it against him that he didn't overtake Aaron Rodgers, a uh, Packers legend as the starter. He he was never going to play. People oh well, he hasn't played since he hasn't played since uh 
in, tw- in three years there. Of course he hasn't. If Aaron Rodgers had played another 10 years, Jordan Love would have never gotten a snap in Green I'm, Bay. I'm holding it against them. I mean, I don't, I just, I don't get it. I think it's, I think it's, I would simply overtake Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it can't be that hard. That's what I would do. And yeah, like we finally got him out of there. He overtook him last year. So he yeah. finally forced the trade to that guy. So, so, okay. So Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver 55. I think as far as like, builds go as far as as draft builds go i don't find myself as a zero rb uh you know radical uh you know i i'm not in the position to say oh i love romeo dobbs as my wide receiver 12 you know like but if if you if you go heavy at running back and other positions early on and you're sort of scraping by on receiver i think you can do a lot worse than than grabbing uh dobbs late in drafts as your wide receiver three or four or something are we expecting the dynamic between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to remain the same? Where they've been kind of like this frustrating standstill stalemate for like two years now, ping ponging back and forth a little bit. Aaron Jones is, of course, maintained the lead. Pretty disappointing year for AJ Dillon last year. Look, uh, AJ Dillon has a lot of contingency value, and I do understand that, and I and I get why people, uh, you know, would draft him, saying he has some upside. His upside is. Uh, completely 100% related to Aaron Jones missing time, uh, maybe significant time this year. Also, A.J. Dillon's you know, price point and redraft doesn't leave a lot of cushion uh, for, for those purposes. You're not, you're not taking him in, this, in the 16th round and saying, okay, well, if Aaron Jones misses time, I have the guy. You have to spend real draft capital on A.J. Dillon again. Not, not as much as last year, which was ludicrous last year. It's not as ludicrous. It's still a little bit ludicrous. And and I think that, that Aaron Jones is a pretty good value. And I think that Aaron Jones fits a lot of, because of his pass catching ability and his pass catching involvement in the Green Bay offense, I, I think that he fits a lot of draft builds. Like, like I, I'm interested in him when I start, when I start a, a, a draft with a lot of receivers or tight ends. But I also think that, you know, if you want to get greedy with running back, you can get Aaron Jones as I guess you're you're running back three if you want, and that that sounds silly to me. In, in a good way. does sound very silly in a very good way. Uh, the Packers, though, this weird, fascinating team where everything's kind of changed. Just a really different, strange situation in Green Bay than we're used to. Well, uh, the Athletic reported today that uh, Luke Musgrave, their rookie tight end, is uh, widely expected to be the primary pass route running. Uh, pass catching tight end in that offense and be something that Robert Tunyon was in spurts. You know, Tunyon, of course, suffered the catastrophic knee injury a couple years ago. Uh, I, you know, never really got all the way back to where he was before that when he was, I guess, called Baby Kittle at one point. Uh, and and so, I, you know, Musgrave is someone I think who could be interesting. Uh, and you don't have to draft him. I mean, he's going to be on the waiver wire. You can you can count on me talking incessantly about Luke Musgrave in 2023. It's yet another year of Kirk Cousins. It's Justin Jefferson being as elite as they come. Not a lot of big names in the passing core beyond, with the notable exception of first-round rookie Jordan Addison. We'll close the show talking about Addison, but just first, I got to ask you, where are you at on the Alexander Madison discourse? Who, One of the most controversial players in fantasy this summer. I'm kind of of the opinion that if he were a good player, like, you know, he would have, forced a lot more touches during uh-huh. the course of his rookie contract, even with Dalvin Cook ahead of him. I, I feel like he could be a danger of losing touches to some of these more anonymous backups that they could still sign somebody. Just where are you at on the Alexander Madison discourse? What do you think is an appropriate ADP point for him? Yeah, I, I think that his current uh, ADP point is is appropriate. In, in my view, RB25 right now and half PPR formats uh, that is, uh, according to fantasy football calculator, I'm not using underdog where, you know, the, the sick is somehow the RB six, right? He's going simultaneously. He's the RB six and the RB 43 at the same time. On underdog. Just going just ahead of, uh, Jonathan Taylor. On yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, no. no, I'm kidding, but yeah, I'm no. So I think he's settled in a, in a reasonable area. So I'll read some of the players who are around him. You have, uh, Rashad white, uh, James Conner, Pacheco, Montgomery. I'd probably take Montgomery over him. I might be enticed into Rashad White, uh, depending on on who is the quarterback 
uh, for the Bucks. But like DeAndre Swift is going in that area, and I much much rather take Alexander Madison over over Swift just because of the locked in uh, workload. One thing about Madison that makes me a little bit reticent to say that he has a ceiling. I I, I just don't know where the ceiling will be because this is a, a Vikings team that throws a lot in the red zone and importantly in the green zone, meaning inside the 10 yard line. Okay. So, so they're throwing as much as anyone, including the chiefs inside that 10 yard line that just doesn't leave a lot of like, you know, touchdown base juice for their, even if he's an every down back for their lead back in, in Madison. I, I don't know if that's there, but he should be fine. He should be a stabilizing force in your, in your running back spot. It is too worth mentioning with this coaching set. I think they were expected like increase their running back targets last year, and they really did kind of the opposite. Dalvin no, they Cook did was, not. Yeah, that didn't Dalvin happen. Was even less involved as a pass catcher. Alexander Madison flashed some pass catching chops in the past. But yeah, he low end RB two feels fine to me for Alexander Madison. RB twenty to twenty four range. Yeah, there was always the perception that he was like a plug and play RB one when Dalvin Cook was injured, and yeah, that happened sometimes. He had some memorable failures. It just seems like it's going to be more low end RB two to me than maybe like life hack RB one. Is life hack RB one in the range of outcomes? I don't. I don't think so. I. I really. I think that the guys around him, the running backs going around him, have that in their range of outcomes, and and he doesn't unless unless hey, I could be wrong. Maybe Kevin O'Connell wants to establish it inside the ten this year and wants to just run Madison into the end zone over and over. And if that happens, I'm going to look pretty silly here and Madison's going to be a top 12 running back in fantasy but I think that really you're going to draft Alexander Madison and you're not going to think about him for the rest of the year yeah for better or worse hopefully for better I mean mean, he'll be he'll just be fine he'll just be fine you know you 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 get your your 14 PPR points and you move on each week we'll close the show talking about Jordan Addison who was cited for driving 140 miles an hour Oh, in the early morning on Thursday, that was 85 over the speed limit in a 55. Probably lucky to not be in jail for a day or two for that. Um, he probably will not get a suspension for that, but now that'll be the talk of the Jordan Addison town for the first few weeks of training camp. But is there any redraft love for this guy who is a first round pick? People are kind of scared because he's behind like the ultimate alpha and Justin Jefferson, but there's still a lot of other targets to go around in this offense. Can Jordan Addison, what can he be in like 12 team league redraft teams in 2023? Yeah. So in my Vikings preview, which you could find on rotoworld.com in the fantasy football section, I raised some questions. I'm only asking questions about Jordan Addison. And some of my questions are his major production productivity drop off in his final, final year of college. That could be explained by the USC offensive system just being really unfriendly uh, for receivers, even I guess elite receivers. Well, uh, it's it was it was always explained to me that they they throw to the open guy, like they don't force it right. in that USC system. He came from Pitt, I believe, where they he was like the them. sun, the moon, and the stars, yeah. where they forced him the ball. Where at USC, that wasn't the program. There was no need to force him the ball. Right. He just had to take what he could get, and there was a lot to take, but a lot of people to get it. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, and that that could explain that way. He he did not have. A, a good NFL combine at all. Okay. He has an undisclosed unknown injury that has kept him out of off season workouts and practices, all of them. Okay. And the coaching staff is saying, are saying things like uh, looking forward to seeing him on the field. Uh, so that, that I think that raises some, some red flags. And now this, this speeding thing now, like you said, the speeding thing, probably not going to result in a, in, in any kind of suspension, but man, I, I just I feel like there are some some warning flags about this guy headed into the regular season. And they have a guy in KJ Osborne who was really good as a wide receiver too last year, really efficient when he overtook Adam Thielen as the wide receiver two for Minnesota, just behind Jefferson. Uh, you know, he was good. And I spell that out. I'm not going to bore you with the numbers. I, I'll never bore you with the numbers. <laughs> uh, but it, it, to me, to me, a guy like Osborne, who's familiar with this Kevin O'Connell system, who has a year in it, who ha- who was good for a month and a half last year as the, as the number two wide out. I feel like, I feel like he might have the edge on Addison going into this. And I, and again, I know this sounds crazy because Addison's a high draft has a lot of draft capital. He, he was the best receiver in the nation two, two years ago. Uh, you know, if you just look at productivity. So uh, man, I, I, 
I, but I struggle. I struggle to 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 just completely write off KJ Osborne. Who scores more PPR points, Jordan Addison or KJ Osborne? I mean, I I, I just I don't want this to be clipped by anyone, so I'm just going to say Jordan Addison. <laughs> that works. That makes sense. Also works as a good way to end the show. I apologize for my audio difficulties. I hope the Charter Corporation is scared of the team of lawyers <laughs> I am assembling. Thing. Denny knows all about my team of lawyers. Um, yes, they're actually we'll, in my living room right now. We will be coming after you, Charter, if these upload speeds do not recover. I have no idea what's going on. But thank you so much to MLive.com's Ben Raven, to NBC Sports Chicago's Alex Shapiro for coming in to talk about the Lions and the Bears. Really, really good stuff. We're continuing our team preview series on Monday with, I believe, the AFC West. It is indeed the AFC West. Going to have some exciting guests for that one, too. Surely get some really good information. I hope you've been enjoying the division preview series so far. Training camp begins next week, so keep it locked to rotorworld.com for all the latest news and updates. Um, For Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.